Welcome to the Knowledge Gap podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Joe Ignis. I'm here with the one, the only, Brian Harbin. Say what's up, Brian. Hey, what's up, Joe? Thanks for having me on. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on. I've heard about Brian and met Brian on the phone a few weeks ago, actually for my brother who heard him at a live speaking event at a conference down in Florida, um, which is where Brian is from. And my brother was so blown away by the content that he was sharing that he said, this guy's got to be on your podcast. And just funnily enough, Brian and I are connected through the Southwestern Advantage summer internship that we used to do way back in school where we would go door to door for a stupid amount of hours in the summer and develop some grit and developing a mindset that would uh, set us apart from the average person at that time in life that has set us out on on a good path. And and Brian's going to talk a lot about that today. Um, If you've never heard of Brian Harbin, I'm going to tell you something about him real quick. So he is the founder of grit.org. You're going to hear that word a lot today. Grit, grit, grit. Because if you want to maximize your college experience, you know, you've got to develop grit while you're in school, developing a strong mental mindset, mental toughness so that you can overcome things. The biggest limiting factor to your success in life is going to be your own mindset. Um, So Brian is determined to spend the second half of his professional career dedicated to teaching life and success principles to current and future generations in order to help them become more mentally, physically, and emotionally resilient for whatever life puts in his or her path. So the first half of his professional career was birthed while Brian was in college as a freshman at the University of Georgia. Oh man, that's a tough time because a lot of my audience is Tennessee. So you can say go Bulldogs if you want. I'll allow it because they did win. Hey, I'm just, I love the SEC. So I appreciate Tennessee as well. Okay, we'll take it. That was good. That people will then click on this. <laughs> so he went to UGA. He ran his own business selling educational books door to door. Spent over 10,000 hours in face-to-face sales. Finished the number one salesperson out of over 2,600 his final year. He simultaneously built a multi-million dollar sales organization of 64 college students and became one of the top 10 recruiters in the history of the 140-year-old internship. So basically, he's got some grit. Um, he graduated college debt-free and with over six figures saved in his bank, traveled to over 17 countries and honeymooned in New Zealand. That is like the one place I really want to go. Uh, that's really awesome. Um, with his wife for six months of their marriage. So literally took six months off because of how he maximized his college experience. He went on to spend the next 14 years building an insurance brokerage firm from scratch with 20 plus agents that still generates eight figures in total premium each year. After amassing over 40,000 hours of face-to-face sales and reaching over $1 million in personal sales in five different industries, including real estate, advertising sales, he pivoted his skills to brokering domain names where he closed the 14th largest domain sale of all time with ice.com. And his firm is currently regarded as one of the top three domain brokerages in the world, um, gritbrokerage.com. He's coached over 30 seasons of flag football and basketball in the JV and is the JV tennis coach of one of the premier college preparatory schools in the nation. Brian has also been married to his wife, Jennifer, for 15 years, has three boys that are 14, 10, and six, and they reside in Jacksonville, Florida. So, oh my gosh, Brian, we are blessed to have you. You are way overqualified for this and uh, we love it that you're here. So... You know, I feel like in college is where, you know, a lot of people kind of figure out what they want to do and a lot of people don't, you know, and we're all about helping students maximize their college experience. So I'm just really curious, like, what was the moment that you started on the success path? What was the epiphany that maybe happened in your life that, you know, helped you open all these doors? Because obviously you've been tremendously successful. Well, I think, you know, for me, when I was at a freshman university of Georgia, um, I was paying my own way through school. So I had scholarships that took care of like all the tuition and books and everything. But, um, 
you know, any living expenses and any extracurricular fraternity stuff that was all on me. So um, I got a job. My girlfriend's mom worked at the UJ library. So she got me a job restocking books for $3 an hour, and which I was super excited about because I got to listen to my Walkman uh, while I was working. But but obviously at $3 an hour, you know, wasn't really going to be enough to be able to do the things that I wanted to do. So I get a random phone call. I filled out a survey in class, get a random phone call where I could make five to $6,000 for the summer. And at this point, this was about two weeks before school got out. I had planned on going to like a week-long honors program type deal during the summer. I was going to like a FCA golf camp for two weeks. And it was going to be a shorter summer because we we're going from quarters to semester. So it was really only going to be like an eight-week summer anyways. Yeah. But I'm sitting there in the, in the lobby with this guy. And as soon as he told me about everything, I'm all in. I mean, this totally makes sense. Uh, I had to break the news to my girlfriend who obviously was... <laughs> She's calling her dad, trying to get me a job at Coke for the summer. I'm like, not going to happen. My parents were obviously less than thrilled about me going to Kansas to sell books door to door. Didn't even have a car at the time. So, but for me, it was just one of those things that I knew. Um, it was like one of those opportunities where I wanted to see how well I could do. I was always super motivated by money at that point. So really just made everything possible to be able to go. Ended up getting a car right before I left. And so that really kind of started that, that journey of like, like, hey, let's take a chance. The guy that recruited me, Dave Ness, really had a lot of respect for him. He was in his fourth or fifth summer. He ended up being like one of the top five in the company that year. And so he really set a great example for me. And, you know, I got off to a fast start, made some good money that summer. And it was about, I made $12,500 in eight weeks. Um, and nice. because he doing so well, I had no idea that I was actually doing pretty well too. Yeah. Uh, and then once I finished, my girlfriend and my parents like, okay, well, good. You got that out of your system. I guess you're not going to do that again. Right. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of hooked now. Right. And so then I had the opportunity to come back and, and recruit a team. So that was something that was appealing of like, okay, I figured out this sales thing. Now I have an opportunity to develop leadership and management skills. Cause then I was going to be recruiting other college students to go out and sell with me. Um, and so the next summer we went to my Montana and the four guys that I recruited, they each average making over $10,000 as well. So, you know, even after two years, I'd gotten off to a pretty good start and, and had a good foundation to build on. And so that was the big thing for me is like, hey, I was making good money that, you know, allowed me to not have to work uh, during college and I could actually go and enjoy my life, you know, was super involved in fraternity and extracurricular activities. And so not having to work during college and really fully embrace that, that experience. Now, the catch was, I had to sacrifice every single summer, right? And I think that was the biggest advice I have for college students. And I was really, really convinced on this when I was recruiting people to go sell books is that, you know, for me here, I was going to a large 30 to 40,000 person public school. And when I go to graduate, I'm going to be lumped in with an even larger pool of people. I was an average to, you know, maybe above average student. So really the only time I had a chance to set my part, set myself apart from everybody else was the three months during the summer, right? Because if everybody's going to school nine months out of the year, the only chance you really had a chance to separate yourself in terms of experience, skills, and everything else was going to be what you did during the summer. And when I saw college kids that were going, oh, I'm just going to take a class, you're wasting so much valuable time because now you're going to have to get some goofy kind of part-time college job in a college town, and you're only going to get three hours of credit versus really going out, going to a new state, getting new experience. And 
and that was the other thing I was convicted on is like, you don't have many opportunities in life to really, really take a chance on yourself because once you get married and have kids and have a mortgage and everything else, it's, it's a lot harder to take chances at that point versus being 18, 19 years old. A lot of people do kind of have that safety in it of like, okay, let's say you take a chance on yourself and you don't do well. It's not like you're going to all of a sudden be on the streets the following month or two, right? Or it's not like your wife is going to leave you or whatever. Like you're just a, a single college student typically at that point. So take a chance on yourself at that time. You know, that's the reason why, you know, for me, I wanted to make a lot of money so I could also do some traveling. That was something that was really important to me. And, you know, me and my buddy, we backpacked through Europe for eight or nine weeks, one of the summers after I graduated. So, and, you know, you mentioned my wife and I going to New Zealand. So those were just opportunities. And and I can even say now in my forties, it's a lot harder to travel. I miss a lot being gone for a week, much less being gone for two to three months. Like I, you know, right now with three young kids, it's, it's hard to do that. So take advantage of those opportunities while you're young and college is such a great time for that. Yeah. No, that's great. I love I love hearing about it. I think the incredible New Zealand six month is like, I mean, what percentage of people take six months when they get married to just go be married and spend time with their spouse? I mean, that's like, wow, that's that's like maximizing college, right? I mean, you are literally making it to where once you graduated, you can kind of do whatever you want for a little bit and you're kind of set setting the stage for your future. <laughs> What are some of like the biggest skills? I love what you said about like what holds people back, right? It's just sort of that that fear of doubt, you know, the fear of like, oh my gosh, like what if I what if I jump out here and I totally land on my face, you know? Like, could you talk a little bit about like what got you through that, and um, you know, what would help you not procrastinate, maybe doing some of those those harder things that other people would maybe think they couldn't accomplish? Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing on keeping going was just the the idea of persistence. You know, one of the things that I did a lot that I built into my schedule. This was something I learned from my student manager is I read motivational books every single day. I probably read, you know, eight to 10 different books that summer, you know, The Greatest Salesman in the World, which you probably hear is the book that Matthew McConaughey read right before he got his part that, you know, basically launched his entire career. But that, you know, that book is very... kind of grounds you in habits. You know, life is tremendous is another one, but reading good books and, and putting good stuff in your brain, um, because, you know, the thing, if you listen to news, it's going to be negative. If you listen to music, you know, too much, it, especially when you're gone and 10 hours away from your family, it's going to bring back memories of all the things that you're missing. So for me, reading books was something that really helped kind of ground me. I would say uh, that was a big thing, you know, being surrounded by other positive people, you know, Dave Ness, my roommate was, was just phenomenal in terms of just that accountability and knowing that, hey, he was out there working just as hard as I was. And so surrounding yourself with good people. And then one of the other things too, and and just one of the mantras when we sold books was like, hey, the solution to every problem lies behind the next door. And so that mentality of just focusing on the very next thing. And, you know, even now when I'm coaching my kids, you know, when we play flag football or basketball, our only focus is the very next play. Whether something good happens or bad happens, our only focus is the very next play. And so I think in life, that's one of those things that you know, so many times we start to snowball our thoughts and we're like, well, you know, if I don't make a sale here, then I'm going to have a bad day. And if I have a bad day, I'm going to have a bad week. And if I have a bad week, I'm going to have a bad summer. If I have a bad summer, my girlfriend's going to break up with me or I'm not going (laughs) to. All of a sudden we go down this hole and, and, you know, next thing you know, we're, we're broke and we're 50 years old, but sometimes we just have to snap ourselves out of it and say, no, you know what? I'm just going to go to the very next house and give it my best shot. You know, the other thing is, 
it's just positive self-talk, you know, in terms of just, um, again, you know, our, our brain is constantly thinking. And if we're not giving it something to think about, then it's going to fill with things of insecurity and doubt. So we have to be proactive about what we tell ourselves. So, you know, again, just having little positive phrases that, that, to keep going. So I would say that was something that was very helpful to keep going. But in terms of uh, skill sets you were asking about, I mean, I'm just super convinced, especially now, fast forward, you know, 17 years removed from selling books is that being good at sales really puts you in position to do whatever it is you want to do, you know, and, and it's really the easiest industry to get into. A lot of people typically don't start sales until after college, because usually that's the job that's the most abundant is the way to make more money than what you can get from a salary job. So the sooner you can start sales, the better, but even to have a foundation of being good at sales is going to help you with whatever comes next. So a buddy of mine, for example, you know, he's got a law degree from University of Georgia and now he's a professor and he actually teaches a class at, at University of Georgia where um, it takes law school students and teaches them how to start and run a business from scratch. Because you think about once you have a law degree and let's say you go work for a big firm and, you know, they're working your 80 hours a week, you know, to become partner. Well, they're comes a point where maybe you don't want to work 80 hours a week anymore. So you decide to start your own practice. Well, now that you're an attorney, now you're actually a self-employed business owner that has to start a business from scratch. So that's what his class does is it teaches you to, you know, how to brand yourself, what type of office to look for, how to hire people. Because essentially, even though you're an attorney, you're actually a self-employed business owner now. Right. And you think about doctors, the same thing applies. If, you know, a lot of them have their own practice. So, you know, whether you're an accountant, you know, usually the best route if you want more independence and you don't want to work for a big four and have to travel and not have control over your, your destiny, then, you know, opening your own accounting firm. But now you're a self employed business owner. And really, for self employed people, the way that they generate money is through sales, meeting clients, meeting people, the ability to, to not be afraid of talking to someone that you don't know and establishing a conversation. How do you do that? Right. So those are the, the fundamentals of sales that you learn about establishing rapport, asking about them, asking a lot of questions, finding a need, and then being able to fill that need with whatever the product or service you you offer is. So having the, the skill set and the knowledge to be able to do that and the confidence of, of not being afraid of people telling you no. Right. And, and you only get comfortable doing that, being told no enough times. And you're like, hey, don't take it personally. It's not you. It's just go to the next person. Right. It's it's not a good fit for them. So I think learning that the sales skills is just huge for whatever you want to do in life. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. You know, and I think there's a misconception on sales, right? Some people are like, oh, sales are blah, 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 bad or something and pushy or whatever. I think the biggest thing to understand about really good sales is, is that um, it's just a transference of feeling. If you're an attorney and someone's coming in with a problem, what you're doing is you're helping them fill their problem. And good pe people who understand sales will learn quickly how to adapt their practice to fulfill a problem. If you can fulfill a problem, I mean, your your business will grow. And that's really what sales is doing. You're just trying to figure out what product, what need is it that I'm trying to fulfill and how can I fulfill that? And uh, you know, good business owners, if they can't help, they tell you, <laughs> hey man, that's not me. Here's a person that you should go talk to about that thing, right? So I think sales isn't about you know getting money. It's about solving people's problems. And when you get in that problem solving, mindset. I mean, people want to hire you. People want to figure out, you know, ways to work with you because that's actually the number one thing that employers look for. I believe in 2021 was problem solving skills, essentially sales skills, right. You know, of how to, how to solve someone's problem. And, uh, I think that's like the biggest lacking thing for a young person is like, how do I solve a problem or whatever? Cause we're, we're just taught to, you know, in school, just go to class and get a good grade, but GPA doesn't really matter that much once you've, you know, graduated. And did anyone ever ask you what your GPA is after you were like 23, 24? <laughs> 
Um, not really. No. And then really <laughs> most people don't even care where you went to college at this point, you know, yeah. for it for the first few years out of college, but after a while, it's more about, you know, yeah, people don't really care where you went to college as much, um, in my world at least, but yeah, I think that's a cool thing. So tell us a little bit. Okay. So you went through this, this college experience It really set you up. Well, you know, you had six figures upon graduation, no debt, you know, which is an accomplishment. You know, most people have God awful amount of debt when they graduate school. Right. So walk us through. So when you graduated school and you were, how many summers did you do? Did you, it was like six or 10 or something. It was uh, eight summers. So eight I summers. did, you know, five, I, I extended one fall uh, college football season, um, went to Europe after that, came back, sold books. And then I was full-time, you know, for three years afterwards. That's when I met my wife. Jen, she also sold books for six summers. So cool. summers total. Yeah, went to New Zealand, got married. And then um, we wanted to live somewhere in the southeast, either, you know, Jacksonville, Savannah or Charleston. And we picked Jacksonville. And so, yeah, I mean, really at that point, I think, um, and kind of to your point earlier about why sales is because I think a lot of people in the real world either don't like sales or they know how hard it is. So people that are good at it, it is one of those things that people can respect it because like, hey, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. So being good at something that most people either don't like or don't want to do is going to give you an advantage. Um, and so for me, I wanted to kind of continue that opportunity. You know, for me, sales was like, hey, I could dictate my schedule. I can work as hard as I want, make as much as I want. Um, but then being able to parlay sales skills into leadership and management and really building something is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Kind of done with with Southwestern in terms of building a sales organization. So really just took, I was looking at financial planning and, you know, medical device sales was pretty big at that time. And I looked at a lot of different inter industries like, um, you know, like career placement planning, like headhunter type thing. Um, but I didn't really want to be sitting there at a desk. Um, at that point in my life, I wanted to be out and about. And um, so really I took, you know, that to insurance and really just had the opportunity to, to kind of start building an organization in the Southeast. I had a lot of people I'd work with that had sold books that I knew would want to, uh, that I'd be able to recruit to come and work with me. And um, yeah, so just started selling insurance and and uh, built up an organization doing that and really just applied a lot of the same skills um, from selling books to selling insurance. I mean, the biggest difference though, is that books are kind of more of a tangible product and insurance is kind of more of an intangible product. You're really buying kind of more of a peace of mind versus mm -hmm. something that actually physically use. You can't really use like a, you know, hey, I've got insurance coverage for the piece of paper, but it's really more about the peace right. of mind. So really being able to develop that skill uh, was good because now I've gone from learning to sell a tangible product to now an intangible product, which really rounded out kind of my sales um, ability. And then um, also having to recruit a different type of person instead of recruiting a college student. Most of the people I was recruiting were out of college. They were a lot of times even older than me, you know, recruiting and managing people that were older than me mm -hmm. kind of helped, um, you know, my experience as a leader and, and manager as well. Absolutely. So, you know, want to hear about a little bit of grit here and some, maybe some life lessons that you'd love to share that you maybe learned along the way and kind of how to figure out your purpose. Cause it sounds like you've got it obviously figured out at this point, you know, but just to sum up what we've been chatting about, I think that the biggest thing is that if you want to write your ticket, if you want to basically do whatever you want to do, developing skills in order to do that is what you have to do. And a lot of times it is the more entrepreneurial sales skills. If you ever want to be in charge of your own schedule, run your own thing, whatever it is, whether it's medical, whether you're, you know, a lawyer, whether you're in 
business, whether you're doing something else, an engineer, making prototypes, if you want to write your own tickets, develop those skills, right? Develop the, the mindset that you're going to need, the grit to start, you know, as well as the in general skills of how to communicate interpersonally with other human beings in a way that they like to be communicated with, because that's what you got to understand. If you want to be successful, you've got to communicate with people in the way that they like to be communicated with, right? So that takes time to develop. So Brian, just curious here. So, so how did you figure out your purpose? You know, if you had to say your purpose, what would that be? How'd you figure it out? Why that direction? And how do you kind of live that out to where, you know, you don't maybe get burnt out with life or hate your job? Because the way it sounds, I don't think you hate your job, correct? Well, no, not now. I mean, and I'll say this, it took me a long time to figure out the purpose that I have now. I mean, my purpose for so long up to that point was really wanting to put myself in a good situation financially, putting my family, you know, wanting to grow a family was something that was super important to us. For me, I wanted to have a career, which at the time I was in insurance, I wanted to have a career where, you know, I can make good money to support our family, our growing family, have a job that could support my wife, having the option to be a stay-at-home mom, which, you know, is what uh, she chose to do. Um, being able to to make enough that they could go to private schools or we can live in good neighborhoods and that kind of thing. Um, but also somewhat have be able to dictate my schedule. I mean, obviously it still required a lot of time and travel at times. Um, but at that point, that was really my purpose. You know, I didn't, I knew that I wanted something more. Like I knew I wasn't going to be selling insurance forever. I mean, insurance is a great product at the same time. You don't get out of bed and be like, oh man, I can't wait to go, you know, write five or six policies today. Like, you know, <laughs> things that, but, uh, but I was always, I did a ton of reading. I loved the idea of doing something on my own. I kind of got into real estate at the time. So I liked having, you know, even though it was with insurance, I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term gig and I still worked for another company. So it wasn't mine per se. There was a lot of things about my schedule and things that I couldn't control within the company that I just knew I always wanted to work for myself in some capacity. I just didn't know what it was going to be. Um, you know, my wife and I, we had had three boys at that point. So, I, you know, we loved sports. Um, I love pouring into to young people. So that was something that, you know, my wife and I were super involved with youth group in our church. So that was something we knew was going to be piece of the puzzle somehow, some way. But just reading, being around good people and um, continuing to, um, you know, really grind at insurance and, and, you know, do as well as I could. And then, um, yeah, the, the real estate thing was something that was fun and exciting because, um, you know, I did have complete autonomy, you know, being able to find the house that I wanted to buy, you know, find the tenant. So I would buy a house, fix it up and then rent it out. So to have like an additional income stream. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. And then that's kind of when the domain thing, because I'd really kind of hit a point where the insurance business, where it was like, okay, I knew my passion for that industry was dwindling. So I really needed to find something that was going to be next. And, you know, kind of talking about taking a chance earlier, like when, you, you know, at this point I was like mid to late thirties and it's really, really hard to make a career change, especially something that's going to be totally different from what you've been used to. Right. Um, so you really have to kind of prepare for it and give yourself some time to be able to fully make that transition. Um, but yeah, so a friend of mine that had um, sold a few domains and he had recently sold one for like a hundred grand. And I was pretty fascinated because again, I was super involved in real estate and this was very similar because it's, you know, if land is a domain and a website is like a house that's built on the land, you know, there's definitely a lot of similarities between land and real estate. And I was having a chance to go in and broker the deal. Um, I could do it from home, which was becoming more appealing at that point, working from home, being that we had young kids and um, I didn't want to travel as much anymore. 
anymore. And brokering domains was a great way for me to do that. So I would just work a full day of insurance, come home, eat dinner, spend some time with the kids and then go to the, go to my office for a couple hours and just, you know, start reading up and learning and, and doing some domain deals for this, for this one guy. I was just had really one client at that point. Um, but just really sent a kind of started building up my clientele. And then in 2018, you know, that big sale of ice.com, that's really where, uh, where that business took off. How big of a sale was ice.com? Just curious. Yeah. So it was 3.5 million. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was the 14th largest domain sale. And um, it was kind of crazy how it all worked out too, because it was the guy that I sold it for. Um, I had helped him buy like a $2,500 domain name, you know, and all of a sudden he calls me like a year and a half later um, with a three and a half million dollar domain he wants to sell. And um, and we had it sold within 48 hours. Um, actually happened right over the 4th of July holiday. And so it was, uh, it was a pretty exciting time for sure. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> So if you had to, you know, if you were talking to a student on how to maximize college, what do you think are the biggest life lessons you've learned, maybe post-school or, or during school, you know, when you're selling books that you would recommend to anyone, regardless of goals, whether they want to go into sales or anything else, obviously, you know, what are some of those biggest life lessons that you'd want to share? Well, I would say the biggest philosophy that I have that I've learned that I feel like has given me such an advantage is I've always seen myself as a leader from the trenches. So if you ever want to get into leadership and management, management. I think a lot of times people see like, oh, well, once I get to management and leadership, I don't have to do any of the hard stuff anymore, right? They kind of see it as like management leadership is like, oh, I'm on easy street once I get there, right? But my mentality has been as a leader and a manager, I'm always still in the trenches doing the hard stuff with the people that I that I work with and manage. And I feel like that's one of the huge advantages I have is where a lot of people over the years that have worked with me um, have respected me in that way. And the fact that I'm always willing willing to go out and do the things that most managers and leaders aren't willing to do, whether it's work shoulder to shoulder with them doing, um, you know, sales or going out into the field. And, you know, even my granddad who um, back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, you know, started and grew, you know, a pie baking company, which is now like a half a billion dollar company owned by Schwann's. He sold it back in the 80s. But one of the things as the CEO that he always did was like even getting out on the factory floor and going to have personal relationships with everybody that's working on the assembly line. And instead of sitting back there behind the mahogany desk, right, he's out there on the floor talking with people, seeing what's working, what's not building relationship with those people. And so um, I think that's such a huge, important thing, um, because a lot of times people see that management leadership is like, oh, well, now I don't have to do the hard stuff anymore. Um, so I'd say for me, that's something that it's easy to get caught up in that. And it's hard to continue to do the hard things. Um, but that's something that I think has really, really helped me. Um, I would say keep going, you know, persistence, you know, so many people end up, you know, I saw it a lot with selling books and insurance is it where a lot of times people when they when they get that first really, really um, tough thing that happens, um, they tend to want to quit. Um, and you're really to get good at something, you know, you have to put in time, you know, you know, the 10,000 hours and, and typically in most careers, you know, it takes about 18 months um, in order to really kind of find your groove um, in an 
industry. And a lot of people end up quitting before that 18 months is there. And, you know, it just reflects in your resume, right? If you, if you move from company to company every two years, then, you know, that says a lot to employers. So I think just continue to keep going um, and persist. And again, you know, ways to do that are being surrounded by good people, having good mentors that have been there for a while that help you get where they've been, um, reading good books, um, you know, learning as much as you can, continuing to be a student of your industry. Um, And then, you know, the other thing I would say too, is trying to really have a passion for whatever it is you're doing. Now, you know, I can certainly say along the way, there were things that I did that I wasn't like super passionate about, not as passionate as I am now on what I do. Um, But I think sometimes you have to learn to have that passion, right? So if you're going to work, you know, in a sales job for a company or going to work for, you know, in IT for a company that does something like really find a reason to be passionate about working for that company, about the product and the service that you sell. Um, And I think, you know, that's a great habit to form as far as finding, you know, even like parenting, like sometimes it's super hard to be passionate about parenting, but you need to find a way to do that, right? Um, Even with being married, Like, as you know, like, I mean, I've been married for 17 years and, you know, it's hard to have that passion all the time, but that's habit that you need to form to have is like being grateful and, and really passionate about what it is you're doing. Can I ask Uh, you a follow up on that real quick? Cause I think people struggle with this a lot. I've seen, I've seen tons of people struggle with this. This is a really good point. And you're, how would you describe a process, right? To be grateful, content with what you have, because there's a, there's a big trend in like Gen Zers where, for example, they feel really bad about how much money they make because they see everyone else making a lot of money on these different social media apps, for example, like how do you focus on contentment? Um, you know, what would be, if you're, if you're talking to an 18, 19, 21 year old, what is your process for being, getting excited about something that's, you know, maybe on the face of it, something we don't want to do? Yeah. So, well, I guess first having an attitude of gratitude, is just something you kind of have to build into your, your daily routine. I mean, some people have like a gratitude list they read out. I'm not really great at journaling. I wish I was, but you know, um, that's something that's helpful for people. You know, for me, um, you know, each day I kind of build in into my day, like, you know, I'll go walk the dog for like two miles and, and then I'll sit kind of in the in the backyard I'll get this Adirondack chair while the dog's, you know, back there and it's dark. And so for me, just kind of having that quiet time alone, just being able to unplug, I think just having a little, you know, they always say being outside and walking in nature really. And for me, that works um, of just being able to kind of step back from all the, the busyness and craziness that you're involved in and really being able to appreciate what you're doing. I think really limiting screen time and the types of things that you watch um, can certainly help with that. I mean, you know, most of, for the most part, a lot of social media is designed to create anxiety in people in order to get them to buy a product or watch a video or something else. So really being able to set up healthy guardrails where like, okay, obviously you, you know, if you enjoy it, then watch it. But at the same time, you need to set healthy boundaries there. So I'd say those be a couple things that can help as far as with, with gratitude. How do you maximize your time? You know, everyone's got 24 hours, you know, you're a very successful entrepreneur owning, you know, grit and running all these different businesses that you've done in the past. You know, what do you think is the biggest mistake a college student makes with their schedule and how, how do you spend your time? Yeah, I would say, you know, the biggest thing for me, like every morning I get up, you know, the kids go off to school and then I I work out every single day um, during the weekday at least. So uh, for me, I think working out, it's, it's a total game changer. It is absolutely 
absolutely a total game changer. Being able to break a sweat, push yourself. For me, I typically do like 30 minutes of some type of intense cardio. So I'll do like running on Mondays. I'll do like a peanut, a 30 minute P90X workout on Tuesdays. You know, Wednesdays I did um, a bike for like 25 minutes and I'll do like 25 different sets of weights. Um, and then I'll swim on Fridays. So, you know, for me, I think having cardio, uh, I mean, shoot, you look at, you know, we've, we've interviewed a lot of different doctors on our podcast. And the biggest thing they found with COVID was that people that were overweight were the the ones at highest risk. So I think being in fit, good physical condition. Um, so I'd say working out obviously is, is a big part of my schedule that I think really makes me effective. Uh, number two is, you know, during the weekdays, like I'm very uh, diligent about what I eat, you know, like salads, fruits, vegetables, you know, the amount I eat, I really watch. Um, and then on the weekends can kind of do whatever I want. So if I, you know, overindulge a little bit or, you know, have a, a hamburger or whatever. So I, I kind of use the weekends to kind of do, you know, what I want in terms of food and that kind of thing. But really during the week, just really try and watch that. Um, getting plenty of sleep. So every night, you know, I, I carve out 20 to 30 minutes to read right when I get in bed. So I think having that time away from your screen is super important. Um, you know, you're you're filling your brain with with whatever it is you're reading. For me, it's always some type of business or motivational book uh, that I'm reading. But then getting really really good night's sleep too. Investing in a good pillow, good sheets, good comforter. So I think getting really really good sleep is important. Um, you know, having a habit of having healthy relationships. And I'll say this: I think one of the biggest things that really kind of unlocked everything for me. I was around age 30 when this happened, but I was starting to notice a trend is that a lot of the same types of issues professionally and personally with relationships with people were kind of starting to recur over and over again. And somebody put me onto the wisdom of the Enneagram, which is basically it's a personality assessment. There's like nine different personality types. Um, they've got a free quiz online. Um, but for me, what it, it did is really helped me understand who I was, how I how I'm motivated. And and in that Enneagram, I'm a type three, which is an achiever. And I had been very caught up in what other people's opinions were. And for me at age 30, that was an aha moment. I had spent so much of my life trying to get approval from other people that I was never getting and I was never going to get it. And so for me, that's when I really started to run my own race. And I think for me, um, it helped me professionally. It helped me with all of my relationships. Um, because now I had an awareness of it. I had an awareness of what were some of the pitfalls of my personality that sometimes I just needed to to recognize it and stop doing it. And I think the sooner that you can figure those things out, because look, the reality of it is this. I don't care what your background was, but everybody has a mom issue and a dad issue, right? If they were a great parent, you know, you're going to have an issue of trying to live up to that or trying to continue to look for that. If you had a bad parent, then you're trying to find it some, you know, so there's just certain things about our personality that if you recognize it, unpack some of those issues that you have, it's really going to help you in future relationships, especially when you get into dating. And if you're bringing your own baggage from being a teenager into a new relationship, that's really going to hold back your relationship from getting to the next level. And it's really going to hold you back when you get into having kids and in-laws and everything else. So um, again, I think there's, you know, for me, the wisdom of the Enneagram was a really, really super impactful. I mean, I can't really overstate how 
impactful that was for me, not only professionally, but personally, and as, as, a, as a father and, and all the other relationships that I deal with. Um, so, I mean, you can spend five grand and go to Tony Robbins and, and unpack a little bit of that kind of stuff. And, um, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of people that can help you kind of go and address some of the issues. And I, and I'm super confident that whether you had a good, good parents or bad parents, that you still are going to have things that you need to work through and talk through, um, and really just understand about yourself. Um, and cause there's definitely some things from your past that will, that are going to be holding you back from your full potential. Absolutely. So I think if you want to maximize college, right. I mean, there's so much, there's so much good content here, but you know, I think, I think understanding yourself, right. Understanding why you do what you do is a big question that you want to figure out as quickly as possible. It's just understanding, becoming more self-aware of how you tick, because I think a lot of people they'll end up doing stuff for a huge portion of their life. And they don't realize why they're doing it, or they don't realize the things that are going on in the back of their mind, you know, of like, Oh, I want to, I want other people's approval. So then I, you know, do whatever it takes to get that approval. And then we don't realize maybe that's not like the healthiest thing. <laughs> right. You know, I also think and Ken, go ahead. Oh, no. And, and I love what you're saying there too. Cause I think, you know, cause talking about social media and this kind of ties back into it of like people that, you know, feel bad about not making as much money, but like, why is it that you think you need to make a lot of money and what is it you think making a lot of money is going to get you and really start to understand not only why you think it, but what has led you up to that. And, and once you can kind of realize that, then you're going to care a lot less about what other people think. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Right. Because right. Usually like what I've struggled with, you know, being in whenever I was in school was like making lots of money made me look cool. It made people look up to me. And I wanted that status. I wanted to be well-liked. I wanted to be, you know, looked up to, I wanted people to come to me for advice. And when you kind of think about it that way, it was like, that's kind of like an egotistical narcissistic way of thinking about money. And if, if that's the only reason you're making it, then you'll do whatever to get the money, you know, get that dopamine release, right? To where people will come to you, but are you really building and developing relationships? And maybe quite possibly I, I was doing that because I was an introvert and I wanted an excuse for people to come talk to me because possibly maybe I struggled with deep vulnerable connections, right? And those are things I discovered about myself, right? And you're like, oh, I, I'm basically coping. I'm good at making lots of money because I have mental toughness, but I'm coping um, a weaker part of my personality, which was the vulnerable long-term relationships, for example, right? And it's yeah. crazy when you get into it deep like that, you're going to have these moments that you're like, whoa. And and I think when you figure those things out, it just takes all this pressure off. You're like, oh, okay, cool. It's still, some things still hurt, right? But it's like, oh, okay, I don't need everyone to like me. You know, and yeah. I remember going through a phase of life and this is when I was selling books and stuff. I had these, you know, uh, phases where I would say, you know what, this, this next six months, I'm literally just going to be unashamedly myself and not care what anyone thinks. And if they like me, great. If they want to be my friends, great. Those will be quality friends. And if they don't, they're, they're probably not going to be quality friends that I need to be spending time with anyway. Yeah. Well, and Joe, kind of to your point earlier about people uh, not knowing or really caring at a certain point where you went to college. So this might blow your mind, but it has been in the last 15 years, not one person has ever asked me how much money I made. Wow. About that. That's great. My son asked me, he's like 14. He had asked me like kind of a ballpark range, which I thought it would be, you know, whatever. Um, but think about that. In 15 years, nobody's even asked how much money I made. So again, it goes back to the fact that like, and you think about the reason it's A, people don't really care. You know, I hate to say it in a bad way, but like people really don't care how much money you make. And then B, people don't really want to know how much money you make because kind of to your point, they either don't want to feel bad about it or whatever it may be. It, it doesn't even matter what the reason is, but that's the reality of it is like nobody ever cares once you get to a certain point, how much money you make. Um, and 
I think once people realize that, it's like, well, then don't make that your whole purpose for why you do what you do. You know what I mean? Because um, then I think people get frustrated because they're like, oh, well, if I do make a bu- bunch of money and nobody's asking, then I'm not being validated, right? Which means you're kind of basing it on the wrong things. So it is kind of interesting how all that works. Yeah. It's a weird thing to wrap your mind around is that like, oh, like if I do these things, people will look up to me. But then thinking about the authenticity of the relationship, well, are they looking up to you because you've just accomplished things or because they actually just care about you as a person, right? Yeah. You know, and, and in life, you're going to have different relationships as you do more impressive things or whatever and, and achieve different goals. You always have people look up to you for different reasons. Um, but I think really the deep down thing of what everyone really wants is actually just the authentic, you know, relationships that that help them feel really happy in their life and feel joyful for who they know, you know? So yeah, absolutely. I think those are all huge. And if you can figure that out really early, I mean, obviously if you figure that out before 30, even I'm sure you already knew a bunch of that type of stuff in your 20s, but the earlier you can figure that out, the more, you know, joyful you're going to feel, you know, because then you're not going to be sort of restricted. So I think that's great. I think that's a really solid thing that most people don't think about. Um, You know, it's something I didn't, someone told me to start thinking about that when I was doing the Southwestern internship. I don't even actually remember who, but someone when I must have been trying to be a leader for the first time and then realizing all of these weird things that I do. Um, I remember one time recounting um, my day of all the stuff that I did to my leader one time. And it was like all results because I'm a three as well, by the way. (laughs) I'm a big three, you know, and so threes on the Enneagram are really achiever base. They want to hit goals. They like the numbers. They like seeing the numbers increase and they'll do whatever it takes to make them increase. So they're usually good salespeople (laughs) or good entrepreneurs because they're willing to do what it takes to be successful. And um, I was recounting my experience of all these things I had done. And I don't know if it was better or worse than his day, but he kind of looked at me and he's like, why are you telling me this? You know, because he's like, what are you talking about? It's like, I don't want to talk about this right now or whatever. He's like, why are you telling me this? He's like, oh, like, I just want to make sure like I'm doing everything right. You know, and I realized I wanted validation, you know, and then not preface things and realizing that you come off in a weird way, you know, navigating those things while you're in school, you're going to make the world a difference when you're in a job interview, make the world a difference when you're trying to make your first sale at your at your new business um, is, is people really understanding and buying into you and you uh, being the best version of yourself, you know, which I think yeah. we all can be. Um, we all just get distracted, you know, too often by the the shiny object, we'll say to where we don't, we forget that working on ourselves is actually the, the best investment that we could be doing. Because exactly. even, even if you're a two, my wife is a two. So is my wife. Is she, I mean, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, she's a two. And so the hardest thing for her is to, to work on herself, to spend time breathing a little bit because yeah. she wants to help people more than anything. And yeah. She wants to help so badly. But if you can get your mind around this, if you end up are being a two or any other number on this Enneagram, when you develop yourself better, more holistically, you will accomplish your greatest desire 10 times better than you're currently doing it. Because the, the more inspirational she becomes, the better she understands herself, the better she's going to be able to help people who need her help, right? You say the right thing to them, do the right thing for them. And that goes for any single person, you know, for what you want to accomplish. If you're developing yourself and growing into a better leader, that's a, the maximum use of your time is doing that, um, especially while you're in school. Yeah. You know, one other thing that I thought might be kind of helpful to share with people is, you know, one of the pieces of advice I would really have too, and and this is one of the pitfalls that, that I learned uh, by not doing it correctly. But, you know, now that I know it is something that I, I make a conscious effort of 
but is to really, really have personal relationship um, with the people that you work with um, and, the, and the people that are important to you. Like one of the things, uh, like everybody needs a good personal conference, right? Like, and I would say weekly, you know, and that means like people that you work with, like don't just rely on being at the the company meeting with them for, you know, once every two weeks, like going to sit down, having a conversation with them just one-on-one, knowing what's going on in their personal life. How's everything going with work? How are you doing? Really checking in on that person. In a marriage, it's absolutely critical. With your own kids, it's absolutely critical. You know, just the same way that, you know, for the most part, pretty well with like friends and family, just checking in to see how they're doing. But uh, professionally, having a personal relationship with people you work with uh, goes a long, long ways. And it's amazing how much longer people will want to work with you when they feel like that you really care. Um, And you're going to want to work with them the more that you know them and you kind of have built that relationship. And so I never forget. And one of the things that kind of started that for me was the um, how to win friends and influence people. And kind of to your point of like so many people, you know, especially college age students, they talk about themselves a lot, right? And if you ever stop and think about like, if you were to ever listen to like an audio conversation of, of a group, like people generally are talking about themselves. And I remember one time sitting on an airplane, I was reading this book, how to win friends, influence people. And I said, okay, let me just put this into practice. And so the whole time the person next to me, it was some older gentleman. And the whole time I'm just asking him questions about him. He never asked me one question about myself, which was fine. That was the whole point of it. And at the end, we're getting off the plane. And he said, hey, I just wanted you to know that was one of the best conversations I've ever had. And it was hilarious because the whole time we're talking about him. Right. And and even now I find that true of like when we're out at parties or events, like I'm asking people about themselves and very rarely do people ever ask about me, which is fine. But it forms the habit and people really, really appreciate it because it's so rare that people actually ask someone how they're doing. And so if you're the person that does that, you're really going to build a network of, of people that, that like you and want to be around you. And if you're not in a conversation to pump your own ego and to help them, then again, you're going to be more fulfilled and experience more joy and happiness from that. Yes. And you will gain more influence <laughs> and, and people will want to work with you and do things with you. <laughs> yeah. That's a great book. Yeah. Well, you have to put the ego aside because yep. many times you want people to ask you about yeah. it, but then... Once you've done enough, you're like, you don't even notice it anymore that people don't even ask about you. I mean, even, you know, it's funny. I have conversations with like my mom. She calls to check in on me and the whole time she talks about herself. Does it make sense? Like yeah, it's yeah. common that people do that. They call to see how you're doing. Meanwhile, they really want to talk about themselves. So if you give them the space to do that, right, they they generally will. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> it is it is funny how much people I, I do the same thing. It's just something you learn from selling books that, you know, most people I feel like don't learn. So that's a that's a wonderful, wonderful habit. And uh by the way, if you don't learn this stuff, like culture's not gonna be encouraging you to <laughs> whatever you get out of school, you know. Uh, most people go their whole lives without learning what we just talked about about the how to win friends and influence people, you know, book where you allow people to talk. Most people don't learn who they are. You know, if you ever heard of a midlife crisis, we'd like for you to avoid that. That happens when you realize you are someone you didn't think you were because we all we all self-deceive in our minds of how great we are versus our flaws. And we try to you know cover those up with everything. So I highly encourage you to, um, you know, learn about yourself, to grow yourself, to do things that are hard, to build grit in other 
words, right? So doing doing the hard things now will set you up for your future. I think, you know, maximizing your college experience, a lot of it comes with really developing yourself in as many ways as you can and putting yourself out there um, and talking to really cool people. And I would encourage people on here to, you know, meet people like Brian or find a network of people who, you know, care about young people and, and try to learn from them too. So I think that'd be awesome. Brian, I think we could talk for forever, but we are at like an hour. <laughs> and this is college students. Um, they may or may not listen to uh, two hours because we're, we're not Joe Rogan yet, but maybe one day. Um, so we might just have to have you on the podcast again, you know, in summary here to close out, you know, um, I think everyone should definitely check out grit.org and see what Brian does. I think what he does on a daily basis at this point is something that's fun. It's enjoyable. It's dynamic. You should definitely check that out. I think he has internship positions for athletes in the summer as well. Is that correct? You have some internships. Those are usually Florida, as far as I can tell. Is that different? Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, that's yep. right. Most of Jacksonville, Florida type stuff. That's pretty awesome. So is there anything that you want to plug real quick? No, um, check us out on YouTube as well, grit-org. Uh, we have like motivational videos, all of our podcasts, um, and more to come there as well. Yeah, if there's anything you're doing on YouTube, podcasting, if it's motivational or life-bringing, I encourage you to do that and avoid the, what do they call it? The, the dark pits of TikToks where you're on those reels for... <laughs> <laughs> you look down, right? It's been 50 minutes. Um, yeah, as for the knowledge gap, you know, um, we are actually launching our website. We're either going to do the knowledge gap.com or joeignis.com, whichever, just because uh, SEO stuff and for the longevity. Um, I plan on being a speaker and uh, booked some speaking gigs recently, which is pretty awesome. Um, so we'll have a knowledge gap tab on there. A little background on me and everything we're doing. And we're even starting a club at the University of Tennessee. So that's going to be awesome. So if you're a Tennessee student and you want to get getting involved in a club, you guys should check it out because um, we'll be teaching a lot of stuff that are grit type. And uh, who knows, maybe maybe Brian might be open to being a speaker at one of those events for all those college students at some point. Um, you know, as, as always, you know, if you're into your fitness, one of the things I loved about what uh, Brian said today is that your fitness and nutrition um, helps with your performance. And that's what we believe at Elevate Wellness as well. So Brian, I hope that's cool to use that clip because <laughs> I think yeah, it, sure. it helps a lot when you are taking care of your body. You know, there's all of these chemical things going around go or happening in your brain with endorphins, um, you're you know, feeling your blood vessels open up, your capillaries, all that kind of stuff. There's so much chemical stuff that happens when you're working out, eating healthy, that helps you feel really, really good. And if you feel good, you usually want to do things. You want to be productive. So I think that's really great. So um, that is uh, get started at elevatewellness.com. Check that out if you are somebody who wants to get fit or you'll get back into shape because you've gone to college and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, I'm not working out ever again. I feel terrible. Or if you're obviously a super busy entrepreneur as well, we have a concierge surgery. So uh, concierge service for that. We can spit it out there. So I um, appreciate everybody. And of course, all of our links will be in the description, um, grit.org, all that kind of stuff, as well as all of our socials. So hopefully this was helpful to you. If you are interested in maximizing your college experience, we do invite you to come along the ride with me, Joe Ignis, and my co-host, Nick, who couldn't be here on this podcast, but will be here in future episodes to subscribe and follow us. Thanks so much. 